0: Amen. Well, there was once these two ears of corn, okay? And these ears of corn uh, were best friends, okay? These guys, I mean, they grew up next to each other, with each other, by each other, uh, in this field planted next to a road, and these ears of corn were just like, perfect friends, right? You with me? And one day, tragically, um, a car went in the ditch, and one of the ears of corn got clipped by this car, and the ear of corn got hit, and some kernels just went like he just got hit, flung back up, and his friend was really worried. But thankfully, the Ear of corn next to them was a doctor, and obviously checked him out, went through all the exams and everything like that. And as he just tested the ear of kernel or the ear of corn with the kernels missing and whatnot, uh, the doctor said, "Buddy, your friend's gonna make it. He's he's gonna live. But I have some really really bad news. Even though he's alive, he's gonna be a vegetable the rest of his life." What's up, guys? Hi. That was that was it. I'm just going to pray us out right now. Um, but hi. It's good to hang out with you guys. If you don't know me, if I haven't met you, my name is Pate. I am the campus pastor in Lindsburg, and I am stoked to be here to deliver the word to you. It's not going to be as good as Ryan, right? I'm not Ryan, but I'm going to do my best in delivering the word to you tonight, but you guys are kind of like my church home, right? Apart from my home campus in Lindsburg, I've been with Crosspoint since 2010. I got involved first in Hayes, and then I moved here and was involved with this campus for some years, and I have some really good memories here. Really good experiences helping grow the church, just being a part of what God's doing here. Uh, Many of you know our brother and friend Jason Waller, who is now in Texas. Um, Just got to really spend many years uh, filled with joy just getting to lead you all in worship next to Jason on stage. I used to actually help build that drum cage over there with my dad on stage and used to just hit the heck out of those drums too loud. Um, but just have a lot of good memories. My wife, Macy, with her serving in Crosspoint Kids, uh, we got to lead a couple different grow groups. Um, just have a lot of good memories with Salinas. You guys are near and dear to my heart, and uh, I love being here, and it's good. But as you know, uh, almost a year and a half ago, I was sent to Lindsburg, and when I first arrived there in Lindsburg, uh, there's like 10 of us. There at that campus, it basically, it was a grow group that started off out there. And uh, today, we, like on a normal Sunday, we usually have about 45 people. Um, We have had five baptisms, and we're going to be baptizing two more people this Sunday. And we have two grow groups. We're about to plant a third grow group. And as you know, in honor of the Scent Series, we're... um, going to be helping plant the McPherson campus. And so we've met with people in Sterling so far. And in September, we plan to meet again. Lots of good stuff. But I'm out there in Lindsberg, uh joining uh, with those people to take the gospel out there. Um, but Ryan asked me to preach here. And I was like, hey, dude, what do you want me to preach on? And he's like, whatever you want. And so... uh. I kind of just picked this at random. You guys have a treasure with cross-training. You guys get to go verse by verse through books of the Bible. Um, that is awesome. But tonight it's going to be a little bit random, something you're not really used to, because we're going to just get into a random text, uh, something that's been kind of on my heart recently. Um, but tonight we're going to be looking at the sermon that I titled, Righteousness by Faith. And tonight I just hope to like wash you with the gospel, right? I know that sometimes you hear this often: go make disciples and things like that. But sometimes I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves a little bit more than we need to preach to others. And so tonight, I hope that you can like just reconnect with Christ, um, just get fed a little bit, just get washed in the gospel. We're going to be in Romans ten, one through four, looking at righteousness uh, by faith. And so, I just want to read this text through real quick, and then I'm going to pray for us. Uh, It says this, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. And it says this, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. If you would, I'm just going to pray a quick prayer. So if you would pray with me. God, tonight as we gather uh, to sing and to worship you, Um, and dig in your word. I pray that, God, you would help me, though I am broken and just unqualified in and of myself. um, I just pray that you would use me and my mouth to deliver your word, your truth, um, so that your church can be encouraged. Um, So, God, I pray that as we look at this Text in Romans 10, I pray that you would give us understanding, that you would give us saving knowledge, and that we would leave here closer to you um, and just found faithful, that we would learn more about who you are um, and just encourage us and build us up in your truth. And so, Lord, help me, help us tonight um, so that you can just be glorified in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so looking at this text here in Romans, just to kind of give you a backdrop of what's going on here in this text. As you know, Romans is authored by the Apostle Paul, right? It was written to the Christian church in Rome. And scholars believe that he probably wrote this letter while he was on his third missionary journey, which you can find in the book of Acts. But he probably wrote it around um, A.D. 57. Um, So that was like 24 years after Jesus died and was raised. But if you look at this map up here, I know it's kind of hard to see, but this is kind of a map of Paul's third missionary journey in Acts, where it starts here in Antioch, goes around the Mediterranean Sea, up toward Macedonia, and then he comes back down. And right here on the map is Corinth. And that is the city that scholars believe that he wrote this letter in. And just to kind of zoom in on it a little bit over here is where Corinth is. That's where he was during his third missionary journey, writing to the church in Rome, which is up there um, in Italy. And so just to kind of give you uh, some further background, Romans, I always like to share this. It's honestly like, my favorite book probably. If I had to pick like one book, I know that we we're going to be, you know, following the whole counsel of God's word, but Romans is by far my favorite book because honestly in my opinion, if you can understand Romans, all 16 chapters, you can pretty well understand Christianity. Like if you're going to throw out the whole book, at least read Romans before you throw it out because there's just so much in Romans that Paul lays out. His theology goes very deep. He's very, he explains so many different things, and there's so many different things that are relevant to us today, even too. Um, and so Romans is, is very, um, I think, popular, and is really relevant, and I always encourage people to read it. But specifically chapters 9, 10, and 11, that chunk is three of the most popular chapters of the Bible today. Um, and we're looking at chapter 10 tonight. But here in 9, 10, and 11, just to give you a very brief summary of what Paul is talking about here in these chapters. And I hope that God helps me to summarize this well and concise and clearly. But, but God has chosen Israel to be his chosen people. From, from the beginning of history, Israel has been God's chosen people. Right, they were the nation that God picked, that little, that little nation on the map. All the other ones are not God's people, but God chose Israel to be his people. Okay, so God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to bless him and multiply him, making him, make him into a great nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. God said, Israel, you're going to get a promised land and I'm going to lead you to this promised land. And God's like, you are my people. I love you. I'm going to bless you. I am with you and I'm going to lead you to the promised land. And so there were nations that kind of got in the way, but through wars and whatnot, God blew past those long story short and they eventually made it to the promised land. But God loves Israel. God's chosen people is Israel. And so God is faithful to Israel. But Israel, as you know, along the journey at times were, was unfaithful, right? There were times where they would worship other idols. They would turn their back on God. And eventually, though, times and time again, they would rebel, disobey. God was still faithful to them and taking them to the promised land and whatnot. So he shows up again and again and his promises are sure, and his blessing is sure. But where we arrive in the narrative of Romans 10, so chapter 10 starts in the middle of a paragraph, and at the very beginning of this paragraph, there's a pericope or title that says, Israel's unbelief. And so where we learn here in Romans 10 is that Israel, this nation that God has chosen and picked, is cut off. They're kind of set aside, okay? And that's kind of where we arrive at here in today's world, right? Israel is in unbelief, okay? They have been cut off, and the Gentiles have been grafted in. Many times you read in Scripture, there's that word Gentile. That's referring to everyone else outside of Israel, okay? So we are the Gentiles. We are not Israel We are not Jewish or Hebrew. We are the Gentiles, and we have been grafted into the family of God in place of Israel. So there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot of questions to be answered, a lot of information to be looked at, but this is kind of what's going on. So what happened? Some argue that Israel rejected Christ, that they were just unbelieving too much, and so God finally cut them off. But that's not the whole story. So in Romans 9, we know that for many of you, you guys know what Romans 9 talks about. It's very big on the sovereignty of God, the election of God, his sovereign choices. And that's true. Israel has been set aside in this point in history because of God's sovereign election. But in chapter 10, we also learn that they are set aside also because of their unbelief. But we know in chapter 11, God's mysterious plan is revealed and Israel will be grafted in. Okay, so I know that this is a lot of history. We're we're going through this whole huge summary. There's a lot of things to look at, but this is kind of what's going on. This is the picture. And so a partial hardening is over Israel. Their eyes are closed, their ears are plugged. And God says, well, if you're going to not believe and not be my people... Then anyone on the street is welcome to the wedding feast. Go and invite everyone, and all are welcome. And that's kind of the picture of what's going on. So Israel has been like a trunk. Romans 11 kind of gives this illustration that, like if God and his kingdom was the tree or the root, Israel has been cut off, set aside, and the Gentiles have been grafted in to get that nourishment from the root that Israel once had. And so that's kind of where we're at. And so Paul is explaining here like how and why they are considered in unbelief. And I think this is very valuable for us because many of the mistakes that Israel made, we're gonna learn from it, right? You guys know those people who have been made made some pretty big mistakes in their life, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna learn from them and not make the same mistakes as them. Some of you are like, that's me. I've made those mistakes. I hope people learn from me. Um, but we have some things that we can learn from Israel that they did to make them in unbelief. And so how do we get this into this place of messianic salvation? How do we get to enjoy heaven? How do we, How do we attain righteousness, right standing with God? And this is exactly what we're going to be looking at tonight really quick. And so let's look at verse 1. Verse 1, it's going to be up here on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. It says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Okay, so salvation is the topic of what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about Israel. They are in unbelief. But my prayer and my heart's desire for them is that they may be saved. And so Paul's saying, Israel, they ain't saved. They ain't saved. They're God's people. And right now they've been cut off. They've been cut off. And Paul is concerned for Israel. And many of you know Paul. He's a former Israelite. He is a Jew. Not only that, a Jew of Jews. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was once a Pharisee. As it says in Philippians 3. Paul says this, he says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul says, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This was Paul. This was his former days. A Hebrew of Hebrews, Jew of Jews, a Pharisee, a leader, persecutor of the church. This dude knew what it meant to be Israel. Okay, but he says, brothers. So as as we said, he's, he's talking to the Christian church in Rome. He says, I wish they were saved. And Paul does note in Romans 11, and and he himself is evidence of this, but some Jews will be saved, right? Some Jews will be saved. But compared to all the rest, them as a nation, they are in unbelief. And we kind of do this with generalities too, like with America or China or Africa, You know, whether it's politics or economics or finances, we throw out these generalities about the whole place, right? Even though we know that there's a remnant that's good. And they got it together. This is kind of what Paul is doing with all of Israel. But Paul was serious about his sorrow. He was serious about it. Like he really did wish that them as a nation would be saved. They really did. What does he say in Romans 9? He says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed, And cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. But he says, I wish that I were cut off so that they could see. I remember in college, I remember going kind of through this before I even read this. I was like, man, now that I've come to faith in Christ, now that I see the gospel and understand, I wish that, man, my friends could see. Like, I wish that almost I would be blind so that they could see. If if I could give that, like, I just have this burning, like, passion and love for them. And I remember asking one of my friends in college that, and he was like, And I was like, man, do you ever feel that for anyone? He's like, no. Like, that's the one thing I'm going to be selfish with is like my relationship with God and rightfully so. And that makes sense. But Paul was concerned for them. He actually cared uh, for Israel that they would be saved. He says, it's for them, not me. Have you ever felt that love for somebody? Have you ever desired that, Someone else that you maybe know could have that faith that you have. I think something we should take note of tonight, as we as we look at these four verses, is man the Apostle Paul he loved people, especially Israel, God's chosen people. And I think that's encouragement to see that our, the Apostle Paul cared for people like that. And it's convicting at the same time because man. Who's the person that gets most of your intercession? Who do you pray for the most? I think we'd all say, uh, myself. And that's okay. But I think that we should take note of, man, how many people get that attention for your prayers, your intercession? And not only that, but remember when Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, don't forget to pray for your enemies and, per- and those who persecute you too. And so I think that, man, as we're walking through this, as we see the burning love that, that, that Paul had for Israel, man, I think that should transition for maybe us caring for our neighbors and our family and friends and not just praying for ourselves. But there's just something that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Like when God is at work in us and he's changing our hearts, like our desires change, our schedules change, our feelings change our cares, the list goes on and on. There's just something that changes in our hearts, especially in the way that we pray. But Paul says, man, I'm pleading to God for them. He intercedes for them. Paul deeply loved Israel, especially as a Jew, one who was in the same boat as them. He has the same experiences and whatnot, but he didn't wish judgment upon them. What does he say? He wishes his heart's desire is that they may be saved. God showed Paul the light and Paul's just like, man, I want them to see the light. So Paul says, to them belong the inheritance of God, but Israel has pursued a law that would lead them to righteousness. And they failed in reaching that law. And this, my friends, this church is where it gets good. And so this is what we're going to look at and what it means that Israel is in unbelief. Why? Because they pursued righteousness through the law. Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. He says, For I bear them witness. What this means is it's like Paul saying, I know them. I can can tell you about them. They are like this. That's what he means when he says, For I bear them witness. He was not only that, he, he was one of their teachers. He was one of their leaders. He can tell you about them because he was one of them. But here, here's the broader prin- principle. Here, here's verse 2. Verse 2 is this. The broader principle is that a person's sincerity, their zeal, their excitement, their commitment is not what saves They lacked knowledge and understanding. It's not about how sincere or intense your faith is. It's about what your faith is in or on. Okay, so the reason why Israel fails to believe is because their faith is in something other than the person Jesus Christ. So it's about what your faith is on objectively. And this is really the source of all truth, isn't it? We need to search out what is truth outside of ourselves, not subjectively, but objectively. We need to we need to look at something outside of ourselves. We need to test it, examine it, especially through scripture, because this is our objective source of truth. It is something outside of ourselves that we place our faith on on or in. Are you following me? What is the object of your faith? And so, it's not a percentage, it's the target. It's not about the measure, but what the thing your faith is placed on. It's not a percentage, but a target. It's the knowledge, it's the understanding. And and this is probably one of the re- biggest reasons why I picked this text to te- to teach on tonight is because not only did the Jews And Israel struggle with this, but there's a little bit of this in America today, a little bit of this in the church. In fact, I am evidence of this. I used to believe that my place in heaven is there because I am doing good on earth or because I'm a good person on earth or I do good things. But my friends, this is not what the Bible teaches that we get our spot in heaven. This is a false gospel, false understanding. But the phrase that you've heard, maybe saving knowledge, uh, is all throughout scripture. Just to give you one example, Paul talks about it in First Timothy 2.4. He says, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is kind of what reminds me of like the, the hymn, Rock of Ages, where it says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. This is kind of what we're talking about here. And Paul says, I know them. The problem isn't that, isn't that they're embarrassed about God. It's not that they struggle with giving. It's not because their church attendance is weak. It's not because they struggle serving. It's because they lack knowledge. They, they, they lack understanding true salvation. They are fervent, they are excited, they are passionate people, but not according to knowledge, not according to the saving biblical way. Verse 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, They did not submit to God's righteousness. Man, Paul's bringing it. (laughs) Um, Many fall short because they are simply not submitting to God's righteousness. They want to earn it themselves by their own works, by their own accomplishments, by their own successes. And for some, they need that sense of, I did a little bit to help. They want to establish their own track record, their own ladder to heaven. This is huge what Paul is saying here. He is giving us some rich revelation here. Israel was actually known culturally to be a very learned people, like their rabbis especially Pharisees and things like these are people where they had teachers that memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine like memorizing Leviticus? Like these, these people were learned. They had some knowledge, but not according to saving knowledge. Like these were learned people. So what Paul is saying here is like, whoa, They studied, they prayed, they were learned, but they were so focused on the law that they didn't see that the law points to Jesus Christ. They are, he says they were ignorant. Being ignorant of the righteousness of God. They think they can achieve heaven by their own works but as we know righteousness right standing with god is not attained by your effort to obey laws let's let's like test it take a couple of the 10 commandments you shouldn't lie you shouldn't honor your father and mother and you shouldn't steal okay those are the easy ones okay like i think if we were to examine ourselves we know that we don't measure up we have not Held that perfectly. And Paul says, For those though who have, like Israel, been in unbelief, seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And Paul says, frankly, this is ignorance. They are dismissing the truth and the way. So how do we attain right standing? Verse 4. Christ... Christ, Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. How do we attain righteousness? Christ, Christ, Christ. Christ is the goal and the end of the law. So the law looked forward and anticipated him, and looking back, the law points to his perfection. He did it. When he came, he lived, he obeyed, he had died, he accomplished the law. That's the whole purpose, was to point to Christ, the Savior, the perfection of him. And since Christ is the goal and the end of the law, righteousness... Or right standing with God is not given to those who try to obey all the law. It belongs to those who have placed their faith in the one who did obey the law. And this was Israel's shortcoming. Israel is under a partial hardening. Their eyes are shut to this revelation this is the very revelation that brings us and credits us right standing with god and so i think for many the purpose of the law is seen as a ladder it is kind of seen falsely as a as a way to god by thinking if they obey it they're going to get closer to him but rather the law if you will is more like a mirror In in Romans 7, Paul basically explains how I would not have known what it means to sin if, if, if not the law had told me that this was sin. See, before the law came, I was free. I was free. But then the law came and death came. And when the law came, it increased the trespass. It didn't make me sin, but it increased my awareness of my sin. This is the purpose of the law. It is never meant for you to climb like a ladder, but for you to simply see how rotten we are. Am I right? But on the flip side, it shows the perfection of Christ and how he is perfect. This is God's standard and he requires perfection. And so righteousness... Is not given to those who would try to establish their own good track record, their own perfection. We Gentiles, we like the sound of that because we know we're broken. We know we're rotten. We're messed up. We're jacked up. And man, I ain't got nothing to offer God. But to Israel and the Jews, this was like, what? This is a game changer. We've studied the The Torah, we know the law. I've been doing this since I was a baby. But we're over here like, man, I ain't studying no Torah. I ain't memorized no Leviticus over here. I I ain't got that. But we can believe on Christ. We can believe on him, that he is our source of life, that he is our fountain, and we can place our faith in him. And that is why the Gentiles are just pouring into the kingdom because man, we ain't got no righteousness. Paul says Israel's failed, but the Gentiles are grafted in through this faith. And so we're not to strive according to the law. We are to simply believe. We're to place our faith in Christ. And through this faith, we are given right standing with God. <clears throat> In conclusion, kind of as I wrap this up, um, I just really have two things that I really wanted to share. Looking at these rich, beautiful words from, from Paul, they're really insightful, and I think it gives us kind of some things to like personally chew on. But really, I kind of think of uh, two different people that hear these words from Scripture— The first kind of person I think of is the person who's like worn out, like really tired. Like, I don't know if there's maybe some spiritual battles going on, maybe some relational battles, maybe some things going on at work or in the church or in your neighborhood. And man, you just need rest. And I just want to remind you that it is finished like Christ is the end of the law. Nothing you do is going to give you a place in heaven. And nothing you do can disqualify you from that compared to the work of Christ. Right? It's kind of like the gospel doesn't says do, it says done. And that is the truth. And I think sometimes we just need to hear that from someone outside of ourselves That it is finished, and that through your faith in Christ, you will be saved. Not because I say so, but because God says so. And so Jesus has already won the war, and you can lay your burdens down at his feet because Christ is the end of the law. The other person I think of, and Looking at this kind of just to let you in on the mystery of God, looking at Romans 11, Paul spells this out. But basically, going back to that kind of analogy that Paul uses, that that Israel is temporarily cut off and the Gentiles are grafted in. Some people have asked, well, since we've been grafted in because of Israel's unbelief, if if they were never found in unbelief, Would we have ever been grafted in? And the answer is, we absolutely would be grafted in. But Israel was supposed to be the people that brought us the gospel. And so not only have we been grafted into the family of God, we have been privileged to be ministers of his word to everyone, including Israel. And so this comes with great responsibility. Not only have we been grafted and adopted into the family, we have been made ministers of his word. And so, man, maybe you've heard all this. Maybe this makes perfect sense. Maybe this is like uh, second grade. Maybe you can preach this better than me. But go and make a disciple. Go and teach somebody this. You've been made a minister of this revelation. Are you with me? We've been grafted in and we have been made ministers. This is, this is God showing his power to Israel and to us. He's like, man, I can raise up rocks. I can grab strangers, people from the street, and I can make them ministers. And he has. We've been privileged with the honor of the ministry and so be ministers. So I don't know who, at work, at school, in the home, next to you, related to you, I don't know, but I know someone needs the gospel, and uh, I don't know who God has put in your life to be a minister to, to love and to encourage, but man, we have been blessed to be made ministers. Amen? Amen. And so those are the two things that I just kind of want to leave you with um, in response to the message today. And so if you would, pray with me.